0: Hello. Thank you for tuning into Squabbles of the Soul, the podcast produced by students of NTSU's Agricultural Debate and Discussion course. Let's dig into some of the most controversial topics in ag today. None of these views reflect Middle Tennessee State University's beliefs as a whole.
1: Welcome to Squabbles of the Soul. I'll be your host today, Kyle Pearson. Today's episode is about livestock's contribution to climate change. Let's get to digging. As we all know, the agriculture industry is what keeps the world fed and clothes. It's crucial to our very survival. However, this is a controversy concerning one of the largest sectors in agriculture, the livestock industry. Livestock are being pinned as a huge contributor to climate change. Livestock are a significant source of methane gas emissions, contributing 35 to 40 percent of methane emissions worldwide. Today, we'll discuss this topic with experts in the field to gather greater knowledge of the issue and what's happening with it. Mm-hmm. Our first special guest today in this episode is Dr. Andrew Mohammed. Dr. Muhammad is with the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. He serves as a professor in the Department of Agricultural and Resource Economics. He also serves as the Game Chair of Excellence in Agriculture Policy and assists the state and nation's agricultural decision makers in evaluating policies and programs dealing with agricultural commodities, food and nutrition, natural resources, and international trade. Calling in today from good old Rocky Top, here is Dr. Andrew Mohammed. So, welcome to Squabble to the Soul. Are you ready? Yeah, I am. Okay. So, question one I have to ask is, what is your view on livestock's contribution to climate change?
0: Well, when it comes to livestock production and its contribution to um, greenhouse gas emissions and just overall climate issues, I mean, I can only... Um, Sort of just think about the studies that I've read, and just estimates that have come out and and I've seen estimates that tend to be around ten to fourteen percent of um, greenhouse gas emissions are attributable to livestock production. Um, now, whether or not that necessarily means, that if we get rid of livestock production, we'd see a 14% reduction in emissions. I'm not quite sure. And um, because obviously one, one is based on the very existence of say animals and a certain type of diet and whatever they release in the atmosphere, right? Right. So one right. can argue that um, sort of leaving cows not to be slaughtered leads to a greater (laughs) – would probably lead to sort of greater quote-unquote contributions to greenhouse gas. And so that I'm not sure, right? And so I think when when I could – I trust the estimates, and obviously there's always some concern that you might be sort of – hearing from individuals that would otherwise be opposed to livestock production anyway, greenhouse gas emissions aside, right? It's just become sort of another thing to uh, another reason for them to be against the sector itself. But the one thing I do know is I've actually talked to producers and, and they mentioned this idea if you could modify diets such that whatever uh, releases that cattle have, it's less of a contribution to greenhouse gases. So the point I'll I'll just sort of sum there and just simply say that um, I respect and trust the estimates. Obviously, I'm sure there's studies out there that would probably give a smaller estimate and some studies would give a larger estimate. But just overall sort of does this necessarily imply the absence of, of meat and livestock Meat product production and the raising of the livestock would necessarily
2: sort of lead to um, sort of a, a more less
0: greenhouse gas emissions moving forward. And that 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 particular issue, I'm not sure.
1: Okay, so being that you assist the state and national agricultural decision makers in evaluating policies and programs dealing with agriculture commodities, nutrition, food resources, and trade and stuff. Is there currently been any talk over this controversial issue? Has there been any talk about it? Or is this just like a, you know, post you would see on, you know, Facebook if somebody complaining about it or talking about it and bringing it up? Or is this actually something that, you know, a national or state board is talking about?
0: Right. Well, I mean, obviously when you um, hear about climate change, in greenhouse gases, a lot of it focuses on non-agricultural sectors. Yes. And and so we're clearly we're talking about emissions from automobiles, plants and factories, um, larger transportation vehicles, airplanes, ships, right? Eighteen um, wheelers. I mean, you really do.
1: Not Um, to stop you in your tracks, but I read somewhere that livestock is responsible for producing more emissions than transportation as a whole. Do you believe that to be correct? And if it is, that I'm not
0: sure. That is crazy to me. I'm not sure.
1: That is crazy. That I'm
0: not sure because the one thing you, if I, I would need to see that study because it's going to be clear what's being sort of defined as transportation. Right. Um, and and then whether or not they're thinking about this from the perspective of say a country like Brazil mm-hmm. versus um, global production and global transportation, you know I, I don't know. And then I, I'm also always sort of a, a bit cautious when they when I see comparisons like that because it you just never know sort of,
1: where they're getting it that information? It could simply be a
0: mis- yeah. It could yeah. just simply be a misunderstanding of a particular fact. Of Absolutely. And. Uh,
1: but I just read yeah, that, and I was like, "That's so crazy to me that we, you know, have electric cars and things like that to try and stop, you know, greenhouse um, gas right. emission, and then in reality, they're saying that it's actually cows that produce more than that, and you know, we don't really talk about that as much.
0: Well, but I guess the thing is, if if even when you think about, say, the estimate 14%, um, and let accept that as the estimate, there's still apparently 86% of other factors contributing. To, oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Know,
0: so, to greenhouse gas emissions. So the point is there, usually, like, and I'll give you a perfect example of something that, all right, so, so much of what, um, say, the recent COP27 meeting, which was about agricultural issues as, as well as sort of climate issues as it relates to agriculture. And when one thinks about sort of climate smart agriculture, um, you get a few things, but rarely do you get um, detailed discussions of the abolishment of, say, the livestock sector. Like, and So that's really your question. Are, are people sort of having very serious discussions about that. And and one of the things you do get discussions about is sort of more environmentally friendly production practices, right? And so right. you may get sort of less fertilizer use and soil health and less pesticide use and that type of thing.
1: So that Whether or not
0: that's that- a major contribution to greenhouse gas emissions, I don't know. But the point is you tend to get, discussion about overall climate issues relating not just to greenhouse gas emissions, but air quality, soil health, water quality, sustainability, um, production practices that could be carried into the future in the overall health of the ecology of the earth and not just solely this issue of reducing greenhouse gases. And then,
1: um, My next question is, are you aware of any current efforts that are in effect to decrease the amount of greenhouse gas emissions produced by agricultural livestock? So maybe you haven't been around a table hearing them directly, you know, want to abolish livestock and production in it, but maybe just, you know, decrease the amount of emissions produced by them.
0: Right. that I have heard, and and I've, I've actually heard producers talk about, um, the fact that the type of feed rations you give cattle can sort of affect the amount of methane in whatever they release, right? Yeah. And so in that sense, they're arguing that if we could simply sort of feed cows differently, or, you know, and feed cattle differently, then emissions could be reduced that way. Um, and so that's the only thing. But obviously, we're talking about sort of uh, ideas that are much more friendlier to the sector, right? Yeah. And so, um, and I'm almost sure in, individuals on the other side would argue not good enough um, for whatever reason. But the point is, I, I do know at least there's been discussions, and I've had, I've actually heard from producers where they have suggested that a lot of this could be mitigated improve feed
1: rations i've heard even some producers in other countries not so much the united states but other countries have started feeding their livestock seaweed mixed in with their okay. their feed because it's supposed to it, limit gas emissions and i just thought that was crazy right. but i mean yeah. whatever works and,
0: right no no and that's actually um if 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 you're not sort of on either side of the issue, the whole issue of sort of thinking about how do we modify uh, cattle feed and fodder uh, is actually sort of, one could argue, it's, I wouldn't say the compromising position, but certainly the one that's really sort of thinking about the issue of um, of greenhouse gases and climate while at the same time understanding the value of the livestock sector to the broader agricultural economy.
1: Exactly. And my last question to kind of wrap things up today, do you think that the livestock industry will be seeing any new changes implemented in the near future? You kind of hit on this earlier when you were talking about changing the feed rations, but do you think that there will be any other changes implemented in the near future? Um, as far as abolishing livestock goes, you and I both know that there are so many trade-offs that would occur if we were to do yeah. that, that I don't personally see that that would be ever, you know, happening. But right. any other, just any kind of changes implemented in the near future at all, any kind of regulations placed upon livestock, just, you know, not in effect yet, but that you could see happening in the future?
0: Well, the, the only thing... Yeah, and, and we do have to sort of think about this in a global context, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it makes no sense for one country to impose restrictions,
1: and then the rest a, not.
0: Yeah, on on a sector to where such that they're trying to affect a global phenomenon. Right. And right. So, so yeah. So in that sense, we would really be sort of dealing with a global sort of initiative and framework. And here's the issue. The issue is this. In many developing countries and in many parts of the world, right? Um, protein deficiency is still quite high. And so protein and animal protein as a part of sort of a person's daily diet is really below what I mean, reasonable people, all maybe even if they're vegetarians, let's say, significantly below what people would recommend in terms of good health and human performance and that type of thing. And so what you do see, and here's the thing, you do see a greater promotion of, say, poultry production and egg production in many parts of the world. But you also-
1: On behalf of Squabbles of the Soul, we would like to thank you for your cooperation as well as your insight. Our next special guest joining us today is Mr. Charles Horde, the Executive Vice President of the Tennessee Cattlemen's Association. The Tennessee Cattlemen's Association was founded in nineteen eighty-five and has been a leader and a voice for cattle producers in the state ever since. Let's see what Mr. Horde has to share with us today. Started. So my first question is, what is your view on livestock's contribution to climate change?
2: Sure. Uh, well, I think um, you know climate change is an issue for everybody, including uh, the livestock industry, and you know we need to try to take steps like most groups do to try to mitigate that uh, impact.
1: So, as the executive vice president of the Tennessee Cattlemen's Association. Um, Providing a, you know, you're a leader and a voice for the cattle industry in Tennessee. Has the issue of livestock's contribution to climate change been an issue that's been brought to your attention before?
2: It it has. It's something we, you know, have discussed uh, pretty extensively. Um, You know, I think there was probably a time when uh, a lot of the industry, uh, you know, minimized it or didn't really think it was an issue. But um, you know, there's a lot of uh, Discussion being had now. A lot of research being done on ways to try to uh, mitigate it. Um, you know, there's uh, anaerobic digesters that are used in uh, dairies and a lot of confined um, cattle operations where they capture the methane and remove the uh, oxygen, and, and uh, they're able to burn that gas as an energy source. It creates a biogas they can use for energy. Um, there's a uh, UT just recently got a pretty significant grant, I think it was like 30 million dollars, uh, their Institute of Agriculture to study different ways to reduce methane emissions in cattle so they're doing things like trying different feed additives, um, there's some fats and lipids, uh, there's algae um, extract that you can feed the cattle that they're seeing some signs of it reducing the, uh, the methane emissions in cattle. It all works within the, the rumen of the cow to uh, decrease the amount of gas that they um, create. So, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about it, a lot of work being done about it now to try to figure out ways to, uh, you know, combat it.
1: So, locally in Tennessee, are you aware of any changes that are being implemented within the cattle industry to aid in limiting those emissions of methane gases that livestock produce?
2: Yes, um, there is some monies available. I think it's federal monies uh, for dairies specifically. Uh, to put in those uh, anaerobic digesters. And then, of course, I mentioned the UTIA work. They're doing it down in Spring Hill at the research station. So, you know, they're doing they they're doing things like feeding different feeds. They actually capture the animals. They feed it in like a trailer, and they are able to capture the methane emissions uh, of that animal and measure it, you know, with, with the different feed additives to see what impacts it's having. So a lot of that stuff's going on right now in Tennessee. I think there's some interesting Uh, from groups to try it out on the farm level too. I know there's a farm in East Tennessee that kind of reached out to see if they can figure out a way to, you know, do feed additives in a pasture type environment to see, you know, if that'd be a way they can um, reduce those emissions.
1: Awesome. Well, just a little side question. Like, you know, a lot of animal rights activists and, you know, PETA and those that, you know, just don't agree with livestock production as a whole as is um, have, Hundreds of blogs record, you know, regarding the situation of livestock greenhouse gas emissions. Um, Do you feel like they're, you know, with all of that, that has fueled farmers now to make changes? Do you think their, you know, input on the situation has caused some of the changes to be implemented?
2: Well, I guess the first thing I would say is I, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about livestock. Contribution to methane emissions. I think you know they like to say um, you know methane is a lot more damaging to the environment than
1: you know carbon dioxide is, or some of these other emissions that are out there. 100%. And it is short term,
2: but you know methane is a short-lived gas in the atmosphere. It only
1: stays about 10 years it's yeah. completely um, broken down. Whereas carbon dioxide
2: can last in the in the atmosphere up to a thousand years. So. You know, they like to talk about the short-term impacts of methane and then ignore the fact that, you know, it it is gone within 10 years, whereas some of these other greenhouse gases, oxide or carbon dioxide or uh, these other things are long-term gases, and and they immediately uh, ignore that. Um, I would also share, you know, just a little history. You know, before Europeans came to North America, we had, you know, somewhere around 60 million buffalo, you know, wandering the plains. And uh, we've got somewhere around 80, 85 million, I think, cows now in um, North America. So it's more, but it's not, uh, you know, a, a great deal more. You know, those buffaloes are ruminous. They're producing the same methane emissions that, uh, you know, back then that, that the cows are producing today. You know, so I think the the difference is, you know, all the other things going along in the environment, the uh, the factories producing it, the, the cars, the gasoline engines, um, the uh, landfills, that's a big, uh, significant uh, producer of methane. So... You know, it's not a whole lot different what we're doing uh, in the environment. The difference is a lot of things going on around us. So I think we do need to work and improve and, and get better and, and find ways to, to address some of the challenges. But I think they sometimes conveniently ignore, you know, some of those other factors that are in place, some of those other um, changes that have happened over time. That uh, You know, it's not so much that livestock production has changed, it's kind of the, the world around us has changed, and they're asking us to make you know, a lot of sacrifices and changes and we're willing to do that. And we're willing to, you know, figure out ways to, to improve. But, um, you know, it's not, you know, I, I think oftentimes they want to act like livestock is the main driver of climate change. And, and I would just disagree with that assessment.
1: I, I would agree with you 100% on that. Um, A lot of articles that I've read, like research in this topic, claim that livestock are responsible for more of the gas emissions than transportation or any of the things as a whole. But as you were saying, the methane only sticks around for 10 years. Those other emissions that transportation sectors are emitting, they stick around longer and hold a more lasting impact on the environment, wouldn't you agree?
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. I think they, you know, like I said, people tend to pick and choose to uh, to fit their narrative, and that's one of the things they tend to not mention when they're talking about methane's impact. And it does have an impact. I don't want to minimize that, but you know, like right. I said, a lot of times they uh, they want to pick and choose how they present the evidence, and you really need to look at the whole picture to kind of mm-hmm. understand how it all you know works together and interacts.
1: Hundred percent. So my last question today is: Do you think if the Clubbe plubis- Club Oh Lord, have mercy! Do you think if the publicity on the issue continues to grow and more changes are implemented as we experiment with, like you said, feed rations and things of that nature, do you think that it'll hold a noticeable impact on the cattle industry?
2: Um, gosh, you know, I think there's going to be lots of things that impact, you know, the cattle industry moving forward. Probably the biggest one is going to be, you know, some of the droughts that they're experiencing out west and you know, feed costs and input costs and things like that. So I'm not saying, you know, the methane challenges and things won't have any impact, but um, I think it's going to be a lot less than maybe some of the other, you know, just urbanization we're seeing in the United States and and some of those things. So, um, you know, I think from an environmental standpoint and from a, Absolutely. You know, you can see you can see that when you know the grocery store runs are in place and, and all that's left on the shelves is the plant-based meat. And <laughs> you've seen their stocks, you know, go down, and you've seen you know restaurants pull their items from the shelves. So um, you know, consumers won't want real meat, and um, you know, I, I think that demand will stay in place. And I think you know our challenge as cattle producers is to meet that demand in the you know most efficient, you know, uh, environmentally sound way we can. And I think we're doing that. I think we're working work in that direction
1: pretty quickly absolutely beef as a whole that's a you know a staple in most people's lives and the livestock industry is a huge part of agriculture as a whole and you know if it ain't broke don't fix it I mean I I completely agree implement those changes to improve it but by no means you know make it to where it, it produces such a huge impact that the cattle industry suffers losses you know shortages and losses um, yeah yeah absolutely like you said it's a, it's a food it's something that, that consumers want and, and we need in our diet so absolutely you know, uh, it's not, we need to
2: just make large-scale changes too for
1: sure absolutely on behalf of squabbles of the Soul, we would like to thank you for your cooperation as well as your insight As we wrap up this episode, I hope that each listener now has a deeper understanding of the controversial issue regarding livestock's contribution to climate change. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Squabbles of the Soil. Join us again to explore more controversial topics in agriculture. When you think your side is the only side, keep digging.